Hey, security peeps. We are back with an ad another edition of Breaking Into Cybersecurity. I am Renee Small, cybersecurity super recruiter. Super excited to be here since we have not seen you all all week. So I will introduce my two guests, my co-host, Chris Folan. Say hi to the people. Hey, everyone. Co-host and security consultant. Happy to be here. Yes. And our special guest today, finally, the bearded one, JJ Davies. Say hi to everyone, JJ. Hey, everyone. I'm, I'm JJ Davies, an all-round uh, security guy, but uh, mainly the, uh, the blue teamer. The expert blue teamer. So, JJ, we have had, we're so, so excited to have him here. Um, and we all have one blue, so I got my little blue thing going on, and Chris has on blue. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it totally wasn't planned. There's something about this. <laughs> I think I feel like we we get together in our heads and we're like, okay, this is what's happening, but it totally was not planned. In okay. any event, JJ, I want you to tell us about how you got into the industry, and then we're going to jump in and start talking about the blue team, the blue team, and how to for folks who are trying to get into the blue team in particular, you know, what kind of skills you need and things like that. Okay, so I actually started um, to get in the industry. Uh, I was originally in the army for uh, five or six years and I did communications in there. So I was pretty familiar with uh, secure communications, with IT, infrastructure and networking. Um, I left the forces and then I joined a, um, a service desk role, um, which I really enjoyed. Uh, it really teaches you how to work under pressure, work quite quickly, and it really does refine your problem solving skills. Um, but I, I wanted a challenge and um, I saw an advert for a SOC analyst. And I, at the time I didn't know anything about security. I didn't really know what cybersecurity was. I just saw SOC analyst. I was like, well, what's a SOC analyst? So here's me thinking in the head, well, I'm just gonna be analyzing socks all day. I've got two pair, I've got a pair <laughs> on my feet. Um, so I read into it and I thought, hey, that actually sounds quite a cool challenge. So I, I phoned up the recruiting agency and say, hey, look, you know, that's something I wanna put my CV forward to. And they said, are you sure? And I said, yeah, let's try it. And um, I thought, do you know what? The worst I can do is just apply. And the worst they can say is no. They turned around to me and said, do you want an interview? And I was like, oh, brilliant, yeah. Uh, so I took that role. Um, uh, that was quite good. I was monitoring all the SIM tools. I was looking at um, responding to different threats, um, understanding threat landscapes to different businesses, our, our clients mainly, and understanding how we can um, positively impact their security program um, as we were their cybersecurity provider. Mm -hmm. um, I then, uh, I wanted a bit more of a challenge. Uh, where that was quite a small business, um, I was hungry for more. So I, I joined um, uh, Carnival uh, and there I was a, a, a tier two kind of SOC analyst, but I was more of a security engineer as well. And that was a fresh challenge. That was really good because it had a lot more responsibility. Um, it was a lot more fast paced, uh, but there was a lot of team cohesion there and it's really, really good. Um, and I've just recently taken a role as a cybersecurity engineer. Um, I'm still trying to be more lenient towards the blue, even though I am uh, getting my feet in the, in the red at the moment as well. I'm doing a bit of pen testing as well. Um, but blue is where my heart's at. Awesome. I, I, I laugh when you say SOC analyst and what a SOC was. I remember talking to someone outside of security and I said, penetration tester. And they were like, penetration tester? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, who thought of these names? <laughs> like, <laughs> like what is that <laughs> oh man i know okay back to back to business <laughs> so, <laughs> what when you get into so um you know moving from sock to blue 
or moving, you know, going into um, the blue team or doing more blue and actually moving into purple. It sounds like you're doing a little bit of purple now. Yeah. To red. Talk to us for people who don't know what, um, you know, for the real newbies out there that really don't understand, fully understand what that means. Can you explain blue, purple, red? Yeah. So uh, you have the blue versus red, which is the normal concept, which is the red team, which are the attackers or the offensive security professionals. And then you have the blue team, which are the defensive security professionals. And the purple team are a mixture of both. Um, but in my honest opinion, um, to be any sort of uh, security professional worth their weight in gold, you need to be both anyway. You need to know how something can be attacked to defend it. So even if you're uh, a red teamer, you have that ability to know how to defend something as well. And even if you're a blue teamer, you don't know how that ability to know how something can be attacked because you don't know where to put your defensive players on the football pitch if you don't know where the other team's attacking from. So that's what I always say to people is if you're going to be a, a professional in cybersecurity, you need to understand that there's two sides of the fence and you need to be quite firmly on both sides. Yeah. And um, well, so for, for those that, don't understand the purple aspect. The purple aspect is where the red and the blue work together um, so that the red would do the attack, the blue would see if they see it or not, and then the red would help them see it um, versus I think some of the, the conflicts in the industry where the red teamers think they could just come in, dominate, go, yeah, I broke your defenses, now figure it out. But if you just do that one-sided approach, it doesn't really help your organization in no. the long run. No, and that's why I always say that if you have like a penetration test done against your, your organization, you need to take what the pen testers are saying on board and you need to understand that um, th this is how they manage to get in. This is how attackers have managed to get can manage to get in. Um, but it, it needs to be a frequent exercise. It can't just be a, a tick box one, one, once a year pen test because there's many different ways into a network and that's just what the pen test has found at that certain point in time. How yeah. often would you recommend um, companies do pen testing exercises and tabletop exercises? So uh, uh, this is actually a really good question. Uh, I think if you have a, a good blue team, a good SOC team within your organization, it should be done quite frequently. I would say at least uh, twice a year, a good exercise where it's your red versus blue kind of exercise where the blue team are actively looking for this threat um, and they have an idea that this threat is going to happen. So they're going to try and look for indicates compromise, going to try and look for different patterns on the network. They're going to look at the SIM tool for any alerts that may um, give them idea that there's uh, something actually happening um, and then understand how they can actively stop that while it's going on. This is a problem that I find a lot within a lot of organizations is they know how to see an alert to uh, a threat uh, but they don't know how to actively stop it. And we have a lot of business processes that actually slow down the uh, the point of um, infection to the point of you know severing that connection to the C2 server. So what we what we have is, oh, we go to the network team and say, hey, I've just seen this, um, this malicious connection. And the network team say, oh, you need to put a ticket in. But that, if that's something that's currently ongoing, we need to say, okay, we need to have an instant response process where the blue team are like, actually, I've seen this happening. We need to cut it off now. Okay, um, it's an instant response. We need to do it immediately. And then we do the containment phase afterwards. Um, so that's a problem with a lot of organizations that you don't test your capabilities enough. So I always say, you know, drill, drill, drill until you get it right. Because skill phase sets in very quickly. And that's the problem with a lot of security analysts is that 
once skill fade hits, it hits quite bad. And then you have to sit on all these courses to try and get you know your Linux knowledge back, your networking knowledge back. So it's good just to keep it all fresh. So and, you think twice like, a year is enough for that? Sorry, Chris. Um, I, I think I think it's it's enough for that because you're going to be busy um, as a stock analyst. You're going to be going through alerts every single day. Um, so, but you want to be you want to test your metal at least once or twice a year. Um, even just even just normal pen testing. Even when they say, okay, we have an infrastructure pen test, I want the SOC team to keep an eye out to see if they're seeing the indicators of compromise, and then report back to me on what you found. So if somebody said to me, went, oh, um, yeah, the pen test was going on during this time, and I actually saw some lateral movement across our network, and we say, oh, no, good spot. At least we know we've got that capability and that visibility. A lot, a lot of the times is um, people ingest all these different logs, they create all these different alerts, but they don't actually know what they're looking at. So it's good to, to train the SOC analysts to understand what they're seeing. And in regards to for tools for individuals to spin up on how to recognize those those sorts of uh, techniques and techniques would you recommend i would say i always say keep it basic you know stick with the, the tools you know we don't need to go you know complicate we don't need to enter the matrix of a lot of these tools uh, I, I still I, I love wireshark i use wireshark all the time i like to take packet captures i like to take tcp dumps on linux servers i just like to look at what's going on um I also say if you if you're going to do uh, instant response, you need to understand that uh, there's going to be a lot of forensics involved. So understand how to uh, safely take uh, capture images of uh, infected machines or compromised machines. Um, understand if you have a home network, I recommend um, spin up, spin up a VM um, and infecting it with something, or just deleting stuff from the registry. Take a capture of it and just analyze it. See if you can find out what actually happened. That's a good way to test your into response skills. Uh, also, if you have um, a home network, uh, spin up OSIM, um, send some alerts, send some logs to it, and attack a virtual machine, and see if you can create an alert on your OSIM, and then understand what that alert's saying. See if you can analyze it properly. Um, maybe take a packet capture at the same time and see if you can see what's uh, what's actually happening, what the the request, the response was to cause that infection. Nice. Well, Danielle wants to know if quarterly is a good amount of time for doing something like this. It, it would boil down to the organization and the cost as well as the resources. Uh, so the small the smaller organizations are probably not going to have enough resources and, and, and the, uh, the budget to be able to have this kind of um, exercise uh, quarterly. Uh, but if, if, if it's well within your budget and well within your resources, then by all means. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the other thing that you could do to keep everyone on their toes is just have um, the red team and the blue team sit together so that they could do like daily exercises right like on little techniques and techniques rather than um, doing a full-blown exercise and then that way they can continually uh, tweak and tune their their alerting yeah so a couple comments here JJ Elijah says, congratulations on your new role. Thank you, Eliza. <laughs> Charles Karanja, our good buddy, says, awesome peeps. And Burton wants to know, remote SOC or on-premise SOC? What is the best option? That's quite a hard, hard question to answer, but I think it really depends on your infrastructure and the environment that you're monitoring. 
uh, if it's quite a complex environment, you may you may benefit from um, an on-premise SOC. If it's something that can't be accessed remotely within that period of time, um, especially if it's just say it's a ransomware attack and it's it's really big and you need someone to be on site, um, it's good to have um, people actually in the business at that time to be able to respond to that threat. Um, if it's normal, um, you know, just looking at alerts and just very small. You know, if, we, if we're going on a scale of one to five, five being the most critical alert, if we're looking at you know one to three type of alerts, then maybe, yeah, remote stock. But I always say that try to keep it in-house as well, uh, because if you need that, in, that hands-on straight away, you're not going to get that remote capability. I mean, especially if you need to sever any VPN links, that's when it gets a little bit nasty at the time. Yep. And Danielle wants to know, can can't pen testing affect your business operation? It depends on the it depends on the scope. Um, I would say uh, it depends on what you if you test in production. Uh, yes, it certainly can. Um, the, the problem with the problem with the pen testing versus vulnerability scanning. Vulnerability scanning is a bit more of a softer touch. Um, I, I say that um, quote unquote because I've seen some vulnerability scans actually uh, take down some servers before. Um, but pen testing, I've actually um, seen some negative impacts on pen testing because sometimes, um, especially if you're doing, uh, if you're trying to get remote access uh, via a remote code execution or something, or trying to laterally move to another machine, and the the exploit that you're running is maybe messing around with the memory. Uh, sometimes it can actually uh, cause a buffer overflow or something like that and actually crash the system. Um, what we try to, what, what a lot of pen testers try to do now is just try to find credentials and try to replay them across the different services across the network. Therefore, it's a little bit of a lighter touch. It really depends on the scope of the pen test and what, type, what kind of tactics and tools are they going to be using. If they're going to be quite aggressive with like brute forcing, buffer overflows, you're probably going to see some disruption. And I think what you said in the beginning, it depends on the scope. That's really important. You have to understand what the business objectives that you're trying to meet with that pen test so that you can design the proper scope around that. So I don't know who this is, but they said, I can listen to JJ speak all day. And I have to, <laughs> <laughs> I was telling JJ the same thing. Half some of my family members are in the UK. So when I hear the accent, I told him, I was like, I feel like I'm at home. Um, so I agree. I don't know who that is, um, but China, we know who you are. So JJ, if a person is, if a person is truly, um, on the ground floor, like they do not, they have not, they don't know anything really about security, but they watch this video and they see JJ and they're like, wow, this sounds interesting. Or they do some Googling and they say, okay, what's well, blue and you just described it. And, they, and they're not in an organization yet. They're just at home playing around. What would be your, like the first couple steps that you would tell them to do to get started? I would say build your foundations first. So whether that be your networking and your security fundamentals, that's very, very important. You just get that foundation. And also find out what makes you stand out, what makes you different from the rest. You know, what projects are you doing? Are you volunteering? You know, I always say to people that LinkedIn is your digital CV. Uh, half the time, uh, if somebody applies for a role, I would look at their LinkedIn and say, okay, what do they do? What do they volunteer in? What are they a part of? And, you know, if you have lots on there, it makes you more, you know, more interesting, gives you a lot of the employer a lot more talking points about you. And then all of a sudden, you've captured the attention of your potential employer. 
So always try to see how you can stand out. What can you do that's extra? Build that foundation and just get yourself known. Network as well. Network is so important. You know, network with different professionals. Ask them how they did it. Get their opinion. Uh, even even better, try and find a mentor that's already in the industry um, and learn from them. But I always say, take it with a pinch of salt. Just try and learn from different people. Mix it together and see what works for you. Because what works for one person may not work for you. And when you say foundation, for the folks that kind of don't even understand what that means, when you might say, oh, you, you know, we need your foundation, what does that mean? So that could be anything from basic computing, basic networking, uh, maybe some Linux skills, throw some Linux skills in there. So learning how to use um, the Linux operating system as well as the Windows operating system, because you, you will be you are, you are going to be using both um, depending on your role. Um, and also learning security fundamentals, so that's organizational security. So it's not going to be stuff like, um, you know, how to pen test. It's going to be stuff like organizational securities, what policies are, um, what processes are, uh, what's, I, what's IT governance, just little things like that, just understanding mm -hmm. that. And I always say that certifications aren't the be all end all, uh, because if you can market yourself properly and show people what you're worth and what you're capable of, that goes a lot further. But if it does come to it, then a certification may help you stand out. So I always say to people, study for certifications, but focus on making you, you, making you unique to the market. I would think that the certification aspect, especially when it comes to the foundation, is an area where it would be helpful for someone who just does not know where to begin. So that could be kind of their starting off point or their jumping off point. Um, not from not from the purpose of, hey, I have this these letters, I have this cert, but more from the actual learning in the foundational aspect. And from what the market's looking for um, in the UK, where do you rate certification, education, and experience as the in relation to each other for as you look for someone new? I always say that if you haven't got the experience, experience is the, the be all end all. I think that's that's the top dog. If you've got the experience, that's 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 the winner. And the next below that I say are certifications. Um, I, it depends on the type of certification as well. If it's something that's just um, that I know has a lot of worth to it. So there's a bit more practical elements inside. Because um, then that shows to me that somebody can actually uh, perform as well. Because uh, a lot of these certifications are very theory based. Um, and it's a lot of it's working on brain dumps. Uh, I mean, I was, I, I was reading a post the other day where somebody passed Linux Plus in two hours. They'd done two hours of studying prior to it, a brain dumping, and then passed it. And I thought, well, what's the value? You don't understand the content. Um, and then and then at the end is education. Um, it, I mean, it's really interesting to find out how you're educated. But I think at the end of it is experience and certifications and marketing yourself. Because uh, in security in the UK, we have quite a big community. And it's just about getting yourself in that community, getting yourself known, um, getting yourself seen by all the different professionals. And how do you go about that in the UK? I mean, I know in the US there's like some meetups, there's some conferences. Um, are there different scenes in the UK to, to go to? Yeah, so we have very much the same. So we have loads, we have lots of different Discord channels that you can join. Where there's lots of people that uh, talk on there. We have um, InfoSec Europe, which is a big conference. That's every year. We have Cyber UK, which is another big conference. Uh, we have lots of different local chapters that you can join, like local security uh, chapters. Um, the, the, the main way is the hardest part is just getting yourself in there and then finding those chapters. I think that's the hardest part. 
Um, so I always say to people is when you're on LinkedIn, look for different hashtags. So follow different hashtags, like follow like the hashtag cybersecurity. And then all of a sudden you start seeing different posts about cybersecurity. And then just, you know, pivot off of that. So like you move laterally across a network, move laterally across your social media network, find these different professionals and just don't just connect with them, connect with them, but send them a private message to say, hi, I want to expand my network with you because security is something I'm interested with. Can you give me a bit of advice on how you get onto cybersecurity? And all of a sudden, that net, that network connection is going to bring value to you and eventually you could probably bring value to them. That's so important. I think that just even talking about following the hashtags that people don't fully understand the way hashtags even work um, in that, you know, you see them out there, but it's not something that people realize like, hey, when you are following these hashtags, then you get more stuff in your feed that's focused on this type of information. Um, and the reverse, like when you're posting something, posting the hash, more people in cybersecurity are going to see your post. So um, following that is, I think, a piece of advice that we have not gotten recently or at all. A um, couple comments here. Elijah says, threat modeling is a constant process. Pen testing is one facet of that, I believe. And um, he also adds in hack the box, try to hack me, exploitation, hack this site, yeah. pen, pen test sites. So these are all the uh, places that I'm assuming you can go. Yeah, so uh, hack the box is like a live cyber firing range. Um, try hack me is almost the same kind of thing as hack the box, but it's got more of a handrail feel. It gives you tips on on your next stage where to go. Um, so I always say that if you're starting out, try hack me is really good because it almost like kind of like holds your hand, very softly holds your hand through um, the learning process. Uh, but the challenges get progressively harder. So as you do the beginner challenges, um, they're very easy, lots of easy tips. And as you get to the harder ones, they're very, they're very abrupt tips like hack this box, what's the flag? And you're like, um, okay, where do I start? But if you've learned that from the beginning challenges, you're like, okay, I start off with connected to VPN and map in the box. Good start. And then so it's just stuff like that. Yeah. I would also add that, um, Elijah, you bring up a good point with all of these because this is where another place where hiring leaders go. So if they're looking for people and you don't actually have like like experience in an organization, but you are winning Hack the Box and you're ranked really high in these various um, in these various Capture the Flag CTF events, I personally have gone out to pluck people who have zero experience, but they're at the top of the leaderboard. So, you know, leaders, hiring leaders like that, they want, they want to see that. Yeah. And that goes back to my early point is market yourself. So if you've got an achievement that you're proud of, that's relevant to the industry. Um, even if it's like a first aid certificate, it could be relevant to somebody. Get it on there. Get it on your, get it on your LinkedIn. Let people know what you're capable of. I mean, I saw um, one security professional where um, he, he's got all that. He's got CISP. He's got all these different ones. And then it was like he was a mental health first aider. And I thought, that's amazing. You know, what, imagine what kind of value you can bring to an organization, especially when we live in this day and age where we have like SOC burnout, we have CISO burnout, we have security burnout, and we have lots of different mental health problems. Uh, so it's just whatever you can bring to an organization and you think it's relevant, get it on your LinkedIn profile, get it known, get it seen. Agreed, 
100%. So Elisha has another follow-up question. How can you set yourself apart from just another cert holder, degree holder, and progressing further in the security field? Like he's a tier one SOC, so he wants to move up the chain. So again, it's all about marketing yourself. What are you doing as extracurricular? Um, are you doing projects? What's your home project? Because uh, people might want to hear about that. Uh, like, I say, if you've got like a, if you're doing like a home sim project, you know, you're doing this own like virtual labs at home, and you've got your Raspberry Pi set up, you've got a Raspberry Pi cluster with these different machines on that you're attacking, but you're actually monitoring with a homemade sim tool. If you do a video on that and put it on your LinkedIn profile, people can see that you're not just a sock analyst; you're a sock analyst with a with a bit of brunt behind you. All of a sudden, you've gone from being a, you know, a two-liter engine to being a V6. So I know, and it's just all about making yourself look like that. So the problem, problem that people see is um, that V6 engine is hidden under a you know a body of a broken-down, beat-up vehicle. So what you need to do is you know do, redo that paintwork, make your vehicle look nice, make you look nice, so people can actually see what the engine's all about. So make sure that you display what you can do. So if you are doing hack the box and you are top of the leaderboard, take a screenshot, pull it as a post, tag people in it, use the hashtags, get it seen, get it on your profile. So, so yeah, important. The other thing I also recommend is if you're doing anything that's relately um, cybersecurity related in your other roles, um, highlight it as such. So if you're doing research, well, that could be considered OSINT because you're researching open source, open sources, you're using Google, you're using different ways to find the information you're looking for, highlight those things as things that you can use towards your pivot. Yeah, Good point. definitely. Excellent points. Okay, so Burton wants to know, how do you globally appreciate the fact that machine learning and AI are more and more used by SOC software vendors? That's my trigger word there, AIs. <laughs> 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 um, so I think that we need to be careful when we when we venture into machine learning. We need to understand what's the objective to onboarding this platform or this tool with machine learning and what, what's our end goal? Because if you do it wrong, it could just make alerts come out quicker and you just, you know, you still burn out the sock. I mean, they can remove the burden, but they're never, ever going to remove, um, you know, hands-on analysts. They're not going to remove that element because there is a limit to what they can do. Um, so if it's a, a machine learning driven SIM tool, it's just going to make that data processing and data aggregation a lot quicker. Um, it's not going to solve the problem for you. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, a lot of people, you know, we medicate the symptoms, but we don't address the problem. <laughs> and, and that's, Same thing in health. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's the problem is that we, we stick these really fancy, you know, thousands of thousands of dollars and pound tools into an organization. But we don't ask the question, why are we buying this? What's the problem? And once we understand the problem, maybe we can look at the root cause and think, oh, actually, we could, we could actually fix that and make it better. And then we could save money and actually just use a standard SIM tool because we've actually fixed the root problem that this AI tool was going to patch. Definitely. Mm -hmm. uh, and in regards to learning uh, SIM tools, I know earlier you mentioned setting up in your home lab, things like that. Um, do you have any other recommendations for individuals that are going into a SOC for understanding 
the logic of how alerting works and how to investigate an incident? Yeah, so um, I would say if you've got um, a spare laptop or something like that, spin up VMware, um, have one VM, that's a, a SIM tool, so that could be Elasticsearch, OSIM or something like that, um, and have another one that's maybe a Windows box, maybe a Windows server, Linux server, uh, point the syslogs to the uh, the SIM tool um, and try, make, that, uh, make that Windows box vulnerable to attack um, or even just MMAP it. Because I can guarantee you, if you start mmapping that box, it will generate an alert. And then what you can do is go to the SIM tool, open up the alert, and just understand what you see. I mean, I know that you've mmapped it, so you know what it is. But try and understand what are the indicators to say that's an mmap. Oh, over over one second, there's been all these different requests to these multiple ports, and it's uh, it's in sequence. It's gone from you know, port to uh, 1,024. Oh, I know that's a you know, that's an mmap scan. You, know, you just look at the different indicators. Um, I. I mean, if you're willing to, if, if you drop me a DM, um, I actually have uh, lots of different resources for learning instant response, um, learning about how SIM tools work, how to build your own um, lab environment. Um, but there's lots of different tools out there. I mean, we live in this day and age now where you can pretty much set up a home network virtually. It would be like 10, 10, 15 years ago, you could never do that. You know, you had to do it off a manual. You had to read, you know, to constantly read books, but you can do these amazing things now just online. So um, if you need resources, yeah, just send me a message and I'll be willing to help you. Do you have a blog with all these resources? Uh, no, I actually have a big, I actually have a, a big Evernote uh, where it's all on there. Uh, I really should. I really should set up a blog and just put them all on there. I really should. Yeah. Share it with I'll us when you're done it. and we'd be happy to point it out for you. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Okay, so Saverish says, Jay the legend. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Daniel said, JJ thinks like an engineer. <laughs> the warm and fuzzies. So. I was going to say, um, we, we typically wrap about after a half hour. Um, if you had to summarize everything that you said today into one piece of sage advice for someone looking to to break into cybersecurity, what would that be? Network, 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 and market yourself. Make yourself stand out from the crowd. So network with people, not with computers. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, that would probably be ideal. I, I, I don't want you just sitting there, like, you know, just M-mapping a different machine going, I'm networking. They're just like that. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yes. Oh, it is Mr. Robot. <laughs> yes, Mr. Robot. The I question, love that show. The question is, is that a Mr. Robot sweater? Yeah. <laughs> I love Mr. Robot. Oh man, and Dorian says the bearded JJ is awesome. Oh, yeah, we think you, so man. too. So too. Yeah, so market yourself, folks. So, so um, you know, JJ saying great advice, and I think more so. Really, you, you, JJ, in your opinion, it seems as though folks should really, really focus on the social media aspect, like get on LinkedIn, connect with all the people who it's are here. It's so important now. It's so important. It is. And he, you know, I just wanted to, to add on to the end here that, you know, having that people ask me all the time about resumes and they're like, oh, my resume, my resume. And the thing is, to JJ's point, leaders are going straight to your LinkedIn profile. They want to see what you're doing. They're checking to see who you're communicating with. Um, so when you talk about when he talks about marketing, 
He's talking about the engagement that you have on LinkedIn, connecting with people on LinkedIn, um, creating your, you know, creating what he what he shared about. Okay, you're winning the capture the flags. Post something about it. Make a comment. Um, and JJ, I would think that even if you're not winning, even if maybe if you're losing, like putting some comment up there too. Like this is what I did. What would you all recommend? Like just engaging with people in the field. Yeah. So that you can, people start to get their eyes on you and see you as yeah. a thought leader, even at the lower, even at your level. I'm not saying lower level, but like you may not be an expert like Jay yet, but building that they can tell that you're building to get there. Don't laugh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, even like Twitter, uh, Discord, like Jay Jay mentioned, um, Slack channels. There's lots of different ways. Um, so find whatever is your cup of tea. And there's there's networks out there that you can tap into. Absolutely, I always say to people that you know you may fail a thousand times, but you know don't ever give up. You know because it could just be around the corner, and at that moment you give up, you might have just missed a very golden opportunity. So just you know keep going, and even when times are against you, just you know keep moving forward. No matter what you do, even if it's just a small step, it's a step in the right direction. Very cool. So Charles Karaja says, uh, Renee and Chris, thank you for having JJ. This was so refreshing. JJ is an inspiring person. Yeah, we've oh, been trying to we've been working blush. on him. <laughs> We're blushing. We've been working on JJ for what? Months <laughs> to get him on here. <laughs> so super excited. Thank you so much, JJ, for your time. This is exactly what Charles said. Final comment. So refreshing. So excited to have you. You have to come back and, and, yeah. and help these people get into the blue team and world. I will. Thank you for having me. It's been an honor. It's been really good to have uh, be on here. Awesome. All right. All right, everyone. Breaking into cybersecurity are back next week. We have full schedules. <laughs> full schedule of events. Have a wonderful Labor Day in the on the for the folks uh, in the U.S. And you can you guys you just had something this past Monday. Y'all were off, right? You had a yeah, we were, yeah. yeah, you had a holiday this week, past week. Ours is this coming Monday. So we're kicking back off again on Tuesday with Dr. Dan. And then we have our, you know, setting up our lineup for the fall. So thank you, everyone. And have a wonderful weekend. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.